All right, so this morning we're beginning a new series called Songs of Yesterday, and in it we're going to be looking at some of the, the classic and some of the more modern songs that we sing in worship. Uh, some of those songs we have sung for centuries, uh, some songs we have only maybe sung for a couple years in our worship services, but what you'll find is as you study the Word of God, if you, if you study the Word of God, if you're a fan of theology on any level, you'll discover that many of these songs are loaded with biblical and theological significance. And so what we're going to do in these story in these in the sermon series is we're going to look at some of these stories, okay? Um, because what you'll find and and you, we all know this is that when we understand the story behind the song, it, it makes it that much more meaningful. Like it, it it almost changes the song for us whenever we are able to put ourselves in the shoes of the people who wrote it, whenever we're able to step into the minds of the people who made the songs that they did. And so knowing the meaning behind a song can change it for the better and for the worse, right? So for example, um, back in 1983, Sting and the Police put out a banger known as Every Breath You Take, okay? And so we've all heard this song once or twice, and we know how it goes. Like, you can hear the beat, right? Every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. And that sounds really sweet. It sounds really romantic to think that every breath I take, he's watching me. Every move that I make is just so enduring. Until you realize this song is written from the perspective of a stalker. And that's how they wrote it. And so now I can read to you those very same words and see if it feels a little differently. Every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. Right? It lands a little different, doesn't it? It's a little creepy now, right? And so, so in the instance and in the case for this song it kind of makes it change for the worse, right? You don't necessarily sing this to your significant other, okay? Unless you have a stalker thing with them, which is different. But so fortunately for us though, today, uh, the song that we're looking at, that's not the case, right? We're, we're looking at a song called It Is Well With My Soul, often called It Is Well. And it was written by a man named Horatio Spafford. In high school, I'm sure they called him Big Spaff or the Spaffinator or something like that. That's probably what I would have called him. Don't know if, if they had nicknames back then exactly. But um, Horatio Spafford was not a pastor. He was not a worship leader. He was not a musician, but he was a businessman. Uh, Horatio Spafford was a married man, had four daughters, and they lived in Chicago in the 1960s and the 1970s. And the great Chicago fire destroyed uh, much of the city and it ruined his business. And he lost uh, much of his wealth in the destruction of that business. And so that was one of the first great um, things that he had to overcome, one of the first great catastrophes of his life. But only a few years later, he and his family would make the decision that they would go on sort of a vacation, uh, sort of also go overseas to help serve with some of the revivals that were happening over in Europe. And so they're making the preparations to, to take a boat across the Atlantic uh, to go and, and work with these, with these revivalists. And at the last minute, Horatio has 
some business matters that he has to attend to. And so he tells his wife and four girls, go ahead and take them across the ocean and I will take the next boat over, okay? Any moms making that trip without their husband? Probably not. Several of his girls, I think three out of his four girls were under the age of 10, okay? So again, I don't know how many, how many wives would, would go for, hey, yeah, I'll take all the kids over and you ride the boat by yourself. Great idea. Hey, but the story goes is that they, they make their trip over. He stays for business with the plan to head over soon after. But on their way to, to Europe, um, the, the ship that his wife and daughters are on it collides with another ship. And there is a, the ship breaks down, and there, it's a huge catastrophe. Uh, many people lost their lives. Uh, Spafford's wife survives the incident but his four daughters do not. And so she is able to send a message to him shortly after and sends him the words, saved alone, what shall I do? And so just a couple days later, Horatio arranges for a trip for him to make the voyage over to see her. And, and because they use some of the same, the same routes, he asked the boat captain, show me, show me the place if you know, show me the place about where my wife's ship went down and, and where my girls uh, were swallowed by the ocean. And, and so as they approached that location, the captain told Horatio, this is a, about where it happened. And, and story goes, legend, legend says that, that as they crossed over that place in the ocean, that, that Horatio went down into the depths of the ship and, and he laid on his belly and he, and he put his hand and he put his face against the bottom of the ship and, and said farewell one last time to his daughters. So sad. And it's from this moment that he began in his mind and on paper began to write the words of this song, It Is Well With My Soul. And so knowing this about the song changes it. Like it changes everything. It changes the way that we read it. It changes the way that we sing it. And, and it gives us a glimpse of what this man was experiencing at the time that he wrote it. And so what I want us to do is, is I want us to look at just a couple lines from, from this song. And, and we'll kind of move around in it a little bit. Um, but the very first verse, the very first uh, part of the song, he writes, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Like that is an incredibly personal and honest sorrow, is it not? Like for many of us, we, we use the sea and the ocean and the waves. We use that as a metaphor for, for life's trials. For Horatio Spafford, this was real. This is not a metaphor to him. This is, this is uh, something that has caused the, one of the deepest sorrows in losing his daughters. And, and I believe, I believe that Spafford believed that had he had been there, he could have done something to save them, right? Because that's what, you know, dads, are you with me on this? That's what every dad thinks, that this is what I should have been there. There's something I could have done. I should have been the hero. I should be the protector. And if I was there, maybe I could have saved one of them. That as, as the ship was going down in the darkness of night, as those girls looked around, looked around to try to find something to save them, I'm sure Horatio Spafford felt a sense of, of guilt, a sense of regret and shame. And, and all of these are true hardships. These are, these are deep sorrows 
that this man has experienced. Yes, losing your business. Less, yes, losing your wealth, but to lose some of your family in the process. Okay, but Horatio Spafford pivots here, okay? And he says, whatever my lot, okay, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now, we, we look at that and we kind of think, that seems a little forced, doesn't it? Like this is something that the Lord has taught me to say. I guess I should say this sort of begrudgingly. But we have to remember that in songs, songs have a way of speeding up time. Like especially if, if you listen to any country music song, um, there's, there's a Kenny Chesney song that comes to mind where the first verse is about his daughter being born. The second verse is about his daughter being a teenager. And the last verse is about her moving away to go off to college. Like all of that happens in about three or four minutes. Like songs have a way of speeding up time. I'm willing to bet you that there is a large gap between the second line and the third line for whenever we have sorrows that hit us, whenever he had sorrows that hit him and how soon he could truly begin to believe that it is well with my soul. Like there's, there's always a big gap there from the, from the moment that we experience that pain and when we can truly trust God that he will get us through that, okay? Because what, what Spafford knew, right, as a believer is that God has taught me to say, how has he taught me to say? He's taught me to say that it is well because of my relationship with God, that my interaction with him, that my history with him, God has shown me that he is good, right? Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah writes in Lamentations 3 that the steadfast love of God the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The, the steadfastness love, the steadfastness of God that he is, that he is firm uh, in his purpose, that he is firm in his resolution, that he is firm in his faith. The word of God okay, speaks. The word of God reminds us that God can be trusted. And God's very words also tells us in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now this is one of those passages that whenever something awful happens in our lives, we don't exactly want to hear this immediately. Right? Like, we find out that it's cancer. We find out that we lost our jobs. We don't always want to hear immediately, like, hey, God works things out for the good of those that love him, right? This is one of those, let me get there, okay? This is one of those, maybe it needs to happen between line two and line three. Maybe it needs to take some years for me to get there to actually trust. But it remains true that God does work those things out. He works for those that, that love him who are called according to his purpose. And so, We'll come back to sort of this theme of sorrow and trials in a minute. But if we look at verse 2 of this song, It Is Well With My Soul, the second verse of It Is Well With My Soul highlights the fact that we not only experience trials in life, but we are in a spiritual battle. Uh, the first line says, Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come. Um, this, is, this does not mean that Satan in, likes to go to a buffet, all right? Although, the, if anybody can appreciate a good Chinese buffet, it would be the Prince of Darkness. But the buffet actually is the line here, okay? Buffet means to torment. Buffet means to, to, uh, to tempt, to harass, that sort of thing. And so, through the enemy, okay, 
As, as Horatio is writing this line, the enemy tempts us, he harasses us, he torments us, and we're often left in this place that Christ has regarded my helpless estate. That we're often in this helpless place where, where we feel the sorrows of life, where the enemy attacks us, where the enemy reminds us that things are not going to get any better. The Lord understands that we are often helpless, that we're in this helpless place, and there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. But he has shed his blood for my soul. All right. And verse 3 speaks to the sin that Jesus took for us on the cross, not in part, but in whole. Okay? The sins of our past, the sins of our present, and the sins of our future are nailed to the cross. And any hope that we ever might have in saying that it is well, any hope that we ever might have in, in, in declaring that God is good, is because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. Like This is the engine that drives all of this. This is the engine uh, that, that drives hope. Jesus' death on the cross is what, it, what, is what fuels that and gives us any opportunity to ever say that everything's going to be okay, that it is well with my soul. And the final verse of it is well speaks to the return of Christ. This is the moment that, that all is at peace. All things will be made well for now and forevermore. The clouds will roll back like a scroll. The trump shall resound. This is not Donald J. Trump, but this is the trumpet blowing and declaring the return of the king. Even so, it is well with my soul. One of the most popular missionary stories of the modern age is the story of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. If you've been in the church and been a believer for a decade or so, it's likely that you've heard their story. Uh, but Jim was a missionary who wanted to reach out to a very particular group of a particular tribe, a very, uh, in fact, um, violent tribe in Ecuador. Um, in fact, the, the Shell Oil Company wanted to make a deal with the country of Ecuador to begin drilling for oil in their region. Uh, but they kept running into this problem that these, that these tribesmen were very violent and very hostile towards their workers. And so one of the ways that they sought to do that is they, they recruited some missionaries. Some missionaries had conversations with them. And so a team of missionaries um, went into this tribe. Among them was Jim Elliott. And so they, as they began to reach out to this tribe, they would, they would drop things by plane to kind of uh, give them gifts and try to communicate to them that they did not mean any harm. And they began to make some progress. Um, but when they, when they made contact with them on one instance, uh, the tribesmen felt threatened by them. And in turn, they, they killed all five of these missionaries, leaving Elizabeth Elliot, a widow, at home with a 10-month-old baby girl. And so as she grieved and, and began the process of, of moving on, God actually calls Elizabeth to minister to the very tribe that killed her husband. And today, she, she's known for a lot of things. She's been a public speaker. She's, she's written books. Um, she's known for a lot of different things, but, but one of her defining moments is, is her kindness and her compassion to forgive this tribe for what they did to her husband. Um, because when she returned to them, okay, all of them understanding who she was, understanding that this woman wants to come back to us, she wants to minister us, she, she wants to love us and, and show us how great her God is, uh, 
right? I mean, th- that's something that translates across any language. Like you want to hear what she has to say if you're a member of that tribe. And so the reason that, that I mentioned this story of, of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot, there's many things that influenced Elizabeth Elliot's decision to do this. Um, the, the power of God, the forgiveness, the Holy Spirit in her life. But, but she actually credits this song with giving her not just the courage to move past this tragedy, not just the courage to forgive the people that killed her husband, but to give her the courage to go to them, okay, to, to live among them and share the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. She credits and attributes this song as the one that gave her the courage to get through some of the darkest times in her life. And so what, what Horatio Spafford experienced on that ship, worshiping the Lord while drifting over the place where his daughter's went into the sea in the midst of his pain him doing that sent ripple effects that have affected the entire world up to this point like i'm sure that that he has not even thinking about it but this song has influenced hundreds if not thousands of people and and it has served as a reminder that even though tragedies may come even though sorrows may come even though we at times might get hit from out of nowhere with types of pains that we never saw coming and, and we experience seasons, dark seasons such as these. You never know how many lives you can touch and affect in the middle of your pain when you can choose to worship the Lord and declare that it is well. And so the song that we sang right before uh, I got up to preach is, uh, it's a rewrite of It Is Well and it's, it was rewritten by uh, a lady named Christine DeMarco and There's a line in it that is my absolute favorite, and it's this one. The waves and wind still know his name. I love that line. Because what it points back to is it points back to a time in Matthew 8 where Jesus is in the boat with his disciples. You guys will probably remember this. And the the sea in the ancient world, the ocean and the sea in the ancient world, sort of has this, this mystique and this mystery to it. Right in the ancient world, the, we, the, the people couldn't necessarily see what was at the bottom. Like today, we can use sonar, we can you know, have imaging, see what's at the bottom and that sort of thing. But to them, it was a sense of mystery, it was a sense of dread, it was a sense of fear. You respected the sea, you respected the ocean. And so as the disciples are out in the boat with Jesus, Jesus is fast asleep and the winds and the waves are blowing over into the boat. They're freaking out. You got to remember that among them are fishermen who are likely pretty competent sailors. So if they're freaking out, you know that you should be freaking out. And so they wake up Jesus and Jesus gets up, okay, tells the waves in the wind to knock it off. And just before he reaches for his belt, it stops, right? Okay, the text doesn't say that. I'm just, I, I picture that. And so the disciples say among themselves, what sort of man is this? Even the seas and winds obey him. And listen, I can tell you this. Today, on October 1st, 2023, the waves and winds still know his name. That's true of every situation in your life. I don't know what represents pain and loss and sorrow for you, For Horatio Spafford, the waves represented great loss and great sorrow. For these disciples, 
the waves and the wind represented fear and what they thought would be their impending death. What has brought great pain and fear and loss and sorrow for you? Is it the loss of a child? Is it the, the disintegration and the, the, the decline, the breakdown of a marriage? Is it the failing of a business? Is it the abuse, abuse at the hands of people that you thought that you could trust? Is it, is it your retirement dwindling to nothing after years, decades of saving? Is it your mind failing you? Is it your body failing you? And this may be very easy to forget when you're in some of the darkest seasons of your life and some of the most depressing places of your life, but the waves and winds still know his name. And so one of the great differences of, of the differences between Christians and non-Christians is for the, for the non-believer, um, there is no hope for tomorrow. There is no assurance that things are getting any better. There is no assurance uh, that there is a God, that there is a loving God who, who reigns and rules and who cares for us. Every day is a dice roll. But to the believer, to those who put their faith in Christ, we can with confidence confront some of life's greatest misery and sorrow and believe with everything that it is well with our soul. Not because we're faking it, not because we're just putting on a happy face and you know, faking it till we make it, but because God is good. He makes all things new, and he does all things well. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for, I thank you for this song, Lord. And God, there's, there's so many men and women who have amazing testimonies. And unfortunately, they have those testimonies because of great tragedy in their life. And I often hear their stories and, and we often, we often think, wow, to be used by God in that way, we don't necessarily want to have their story and their testimony, but we want to be used that way. And so I, I give you thanks and give you praise, just as Romans 8 says, that you're able to take these things, that you're able to take these, uh, these tragedies and turn them for good and use them for good. And Lord, I pray that, that in this room, and I know for a fact in this room, many of us, have those deep sorrows. We have those hurts. We don't know what tomorrow will look like. Yes, we know Jesus is Lord. Yes, he is our savior, but there's still a lot of fear. There's a lot of worry. There's a lot of anxiety that we experience on a day-to-day basis. God, we wanna say, we wanna declare that it is well, but inside we're just not so sure. So Father, I pray that you would remind us of your thankfulness. Your word does it. But God, I pray that you would touch our hearts. I pray that you would drive us to a place where we, where we think on you, where we are reminded of your goodness in our lives. And we know because history has shown us that you will carry us through and that you will be able to bring us to a place where we can say, it is well with my soul. God, we love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.